Amen. This is a weapon. Okay? So when we were in China, we uh, were at a kind of an odds and ends place. They have those there, markets, where you'll find historic artifacts for sale. And, and you, you barter, you know, it's not like a set price. And so for my birthday one year, my wife picked this up for me. And what this is, is it's a blade that was left behind from, by the Japanese. They occupied China from 1937 to 1945, and it was a pretty brutal occupation. And so they used weapons like these to kind of force their will on the Chinese people. And that's never been forgotten um, by the Chinese. So you look at this, and, and as a weapon, this can be unused. I mean, if you just kind of sit it on the shelf like it sits at my house, then it's not being used for any purpose. It can also be misused, used to force people to bend to your will. But when something like this, a weapon like this, is, is in the right hands, and it's used the way it was designed, and it, it can actually be a tool to protect a tool to defend, or even a tool used to deter violent behavior. Now, similar to that, I believe, is the Word of God. The Word of God. Now, if you sit it on the shelf, which, you know, some of us are guilty of doing, right? We just kind of put it over there and we don't think much about it. If you, if you went over to the Bible on our shelf, you might and kind of be a little bit embarrassed that there's a layer of dust on it. But if the Bible sits on our shelf unused then it's not being appropriately used. If it, now, but sadly, the Bible can also be misused, can it? We take the Word of God and we start saying things like, hey, the Bible says, hey, the Bible says, hey, the Bible says, and we use it as a weapon, much like the blade that I've shown you. But when the Word of God is being used by somebody who's seasoned, somebody who's skilled at understanding, and, and, and not a professional but somebody who's familiar enough with it that they can use it appropriately when the Bible, when the Word of God's in, in the hands of somebody like that, it's a powerful, powerful tool. It's a powerful tool. It can be used to deter. It can be used to protect life. It can be used even to rescue. But how can we learn to properly utilize such a powerful tool? How can we learn to use it? And I know that, you know, many of you would say to me, you know, David, I don't feel qualified. David, I don't feel experienced. David, I don't feel ready to use the Word of God appropriately. And so sadly, you know, I don't misuse it. You know, God forbid I would do that. But I'll, if I'm honest, then the Bible is kind of a little bit underused in my household. And this morning I'm going to share with you today why, how, what important role the Word of God plays in our lives. During the last several weeks, we began a series called The Five Functions of a Healthy Church. And what we've begun to do is we've begun to lay out a roadmap toward preparing our church to both be healthy and prepare to be on mission with God. In week one, we talked about community. We talked about how important it is for us to get to know each other, to, to, to be, know and be known by each other. And we, and we talked about that when God grows us together as a church, it's like he creates a lever that he can leverage to introduce people to God. So the first characteristic of a healthy church is community, knowing and being known by each other. The second thing that we talked about is prayer. And in that message, we learned that we serve a God that is aware 
of our circumstances. He is active and capable and ready to act. And he is waiting to be invited into our circumstances to do the things that only he can do. And our responsibility is to identify our needs, to acknowledge that we don't have the ability to do things ourselves, and then to invite God in to do what only he can do. And today we're going to talk about the third function of a healthy church, which is study. And, and there might be a little bit of nervousness in your heart because you say, I'm not a scholar, I'm not a theologian, David, but you know, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious how God might use the scriptures in my life and the lives of people I know. And so we're going to talk about that today because my goal is to teach you to use this important tool. Not unuse it, not misuse it, but to use it appropriately in such a way, and, and we'll find out this morning, that you can actually be a part of rescuing people from the trap. So turn with me to 2 Timothy verses, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And I'm going to read it through all the way once. And then we're going to find some really powerful lessons in here this morning. Verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is Paul speaking to Timothy and giving him some advice. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the truth. So a big part of Timothy's job was to dispense truth, was to teach the word of God, and Paul's giving him instruction about that. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And here's a couple key verses here. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble or common purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the desires of evil, the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. Now to give you a little bit of context about this passage. Why would God inspire Paul to write these words to Timothy? Now the story that began with Adam and Eve that was carried on by Abraham and the nation of Israel was confirmed like we talked about last week by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It has now evolved into a movement on mission. A movement on mission. And God chose Paul to plant and develop new gatherings of this movement throughout the known world 
at that time. So this movement that started with Jesus, now it's become, it's multiplied. You know, you, you know that you're familiar with the book of Acts, there's little gatherings, little expressions of this movement popping up, and Paul is personally responsible for the planting of a lot of those. And so God is speaking through Paul to Timothy and to us, who has been chosen as an instrument for noble purposes. And Timothy has agreed to play his part in God's story, like we talked about last week. God has a big eternal story that he's inviting us to play a part in. Timothy has agreed to play his part. So in other words, by focusing on God's story and the part that God has asked him to play in it, Timothy is perfectly positioned for maximum impact. He's aware of God's story, he's agreed to play his part, and now he is perfectly positioned for maximum impact. And that's a lesson for another day. But what we see in this passage, and we're going to go back through some of these verses, is the key point for today is that God uses his word to shape his people to build his kingdom. God takes his word. He uses his word to shape his people to build his kingdom. Now, everyone likes to win. Everyone likes to know that their participation has made a difference. So think of this this morning. This is God's personal letter to you. And referring back to verses 20 and 21, that's his personal letter to you and to me about how to become an instrument for noble purposes so that you can play the important role that he has in mind for you in his story. So what is the win for us today? The win for us is that God would use his word to shape us to build his kingdom. It's like kind of being invited into, into a production. Now, I'll share a little story with you. When I was in high school, um, and you'll probably find this comical, I was in a play, and um, my role was in a, the play called Big Bucks. Big Bucks. So this was actually an, uh, some guy who um, was a, an oil guy in Texas, and so I was playing a southern guy. I'm actually from Ohio myself, but I was living in North Carolina at the time, and the story goes that Big Bucks, you know, this oil guy, started selling fried chicken, and uh, there, there was some sort of burial, Indian burial ground, and there was a lot of controversy, and in the end, he, he it, it was a funny ending, but when I was invited to play that role in the story, I studied hard. I mean, I practiced my lines again and again, day after day, rehearsal after rehearsal. I took that role very seriously. I not only wanted to know exactly what I was supposed to say and be able to say it, but I wanted to inject, you know, kind of the emotion and, and really play the role that I was being asked to play. So if you think about you and I being invited into a big production, how honored would you be? How honored would I be? How willing would you be to follow instructions? So it's, it's like that. God has a big story that's been going on for a long, long time. And at this time in history, at such a time as this, he has a role for you and for me to play. And what he wants to do is he wants to use his word to shape us to build his kingdom. Now look back at verses 20 and 21 for just a moment. What does it mean to be an instrument for noble purposes? Verse 21. If a man cleanses himself from the latter or common use, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So what does it mean to be holy? And now, now you're probably a little bit nervous, right? And you're going to say, I'm not, I'm not that holy, because I'm not either. But what is holy? Holy means set apart. 
It means unique. It means that in a crowd, something that's holy stands out. So if God has prepared you by his word, he's shaped you, and he's prepared you to be useful, then you're going to just kind of stand out. And, and we know people like this, and, and we aspire to be like these folks. It, it's not that they're perfect. It's not that they've got it all together, but they stand out. The way that they care about people, the way that they respond to controversy, the way that they respond when they're struggling, these folks stand out. And it's almost like they've been shaped by something. They've been shaped by someone, and they stand out. So that's what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be unique, to be set apart, to stand out. Second, it says, useful to the master. Now, what does that mean? That's something we can get our hand around a little bit better. When you think about a tool that you have in your shed or some sort of instrument that, that you own, you've got something that maybe stands out to you and it makes you want to use it, but it's also something that's useful, meaning that it's seasoned. It's seasoned. It's experienced. So think about an instrument that God can use that's holy and just stands It's a little bit different. And you, you can think of the person that you're thinking of in your life that stands out. They're a little bit different. And they're seasoned. They're useful. They're experienced. When they are, encounter a situation, when they encounter a challenge, they're not shaken. Now, they're, internally, they might be nervous. Internally, I, I get nervous. But when you've encountered controversy, when you've encountered hardship, and, and you've allowed God to shape you, then you're seasoned. And, and it doesn't shake you like it used to. And then thirdly, prepared to do any good work. So a person who is ready for kingdom building, what does it look like? First of all, holy. Go ahead and bring those up, sir. Holy, unique, useful. Number two, useful and seasoned, experienced. And number three, if you've allowed God to shape you by the word of God, then you're prepared and ready action. That just means somebody that has a predisposition for action. I was at uh, the Harris Homestead yesterday with my family and uh, with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, and there was a lady there doing face painting, and she was you know, actually doing pretty well just painting, painting faces of kids. It wasn't a huge crowd, but she seemed to do all right because any kid that comes there, there's like one booth, one paying option to satisfy the kids, and so she was getting all the business. But she had a little tent um, that was you know, staked down by some concrete but kind of the curtains got caught up in the wind, and, and her supplies began to blow. And it started to become a bit of a mess, but instinctively, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law started moving toward the tent, and I did too. I would probably step behind you if I'm honest. But there's just a predisposition for people like that for action. When they see a need, when they see somebody who needs help, they don't even think about it. They're on it. And we did. We got over there. You know, Rick opened up the curtains so the air could flow through and it wouldn't fly away. But that's what we're talking about, an instrument. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be holy and unique. He wants us to be useful, seasoned, and experienced. He wants us to be prepared and ready for action. So how does God use his word to shape us? What process does he lead us through to prepare us for kingdom impact? And I'll submit to you this morning, as we yield ourselves to God's shaping process... He leads us through four steps, as outlined in this passage. And what I was doing as I was going through this passage is, you know, if you look back through verses 14 through 26, there's a lot of don'ts. You know, don't do this, don't make sure you don't do that. And I prefer to focus on the do's. So I pulled out a few do's, and it actually seemed to kind of fit into a process. 
that God wants to lead you through and lead me through to shape us to build his kingdom. And the first step is handle the word. And the, the reference verse here is verse 15. I'll read it again. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, how do people approach the word of God? There are typically three ways. Number one, people approach the word of God just indifferent, right? Maybe it's something that's been on the shelf. Maybe it's something that mom and dad believe, but they don't personally believe. They're just a little bit indifferent to the word of God. Yeah, it's a nice book. It's a nice story, but it's not my story. Now, there are people, and, and that's okay. It's, it's really difficult to work with folks like that, you know, off, off, off the start. But I, I enjoy working with people who are undecided. If they're, if they're not indifferent, maybe they're just undecided. They, they're not sure what role the Word of God is going to play in their lives. They're just undecided. And I like working with folks like that because, you know, I, we can have a conversation. I can listen to them and learn about them. And the third way to respond to the Word of God is to be responsive. So if you're not indifferent and you're not undecided, many of us this morning, hopefully are responsive to the Word of God. We're willing and wanting to respond to the Word of God. Now, how do you approach the Word of God? Learning to, to handle the Word just like, just like you would a tool. How do you learn to handle the Word of God? Well, first of all, you've got to read it. Oops, right? You actually have to pick it up and read it. And, you know, personally what I do, and I'll just tell you a secret, I don't read four chapters a day. I don't even read three. I don't even read two. You know how, what, what I do? I read about a half a chapter from the Old Testament, a half a chapter from the New, and then I just read a, few, a bit of the Proverbs because it's real practical wisdom. So you can go tell on me to everybody else. But it's not about being a Bible scholar, but you do have to pick it up and read it. And then when you read it, you need to seek to understand it. Now, a lot of people, there are people in colleges, they just treat it as a, book, as a, as a work of literature. Let's just, let's just study it. Let's just pick it apart. But you're going to read it. And you're going to seek to understand it, and then you seek to apply it. So when you're learning to handle the Word, and this is, we're just hitting this kind of fast this morning, but if, first of all, if you learn to handle the Word of God, you'll be responsive to the Word of God, and you actually read it, you seek to understand it. You ask basic questions like who, where, what, why, when, how. Just basic questions you would have any piece of literature to understand it. And then you seek to apply it, then you're well on your way to utilizing this powerful tool. So learning to handle the Word of God. Number two, we learn to pursue the Word of God. Not just read it, not just understand it, but we're actually trying to apply it. And when you look at this passage I found, or this verse, verse 22, he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, which righteousness is just simply God's way. We talk about this with our kids all the time. Let's do things God's way. Because God's way is going to produce the kind of result that you actually really want. Pursue God's way. Pursue faith. Let's live lives full of faith. Let's live loving lives and let's live lives that pursue peace. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So number one is you're learning to handle the word of God. Read, understand, apply the word of God. And then you're learning to pursue the word of God. Not just read it. Not just understand intellectually what it's saying, but actually try to live by it, live according to it. We're pursuing the Word of God. And then thirdly, call on the Lord. It's in that same verse, call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, what do I mean by that? We talked about this last week. We're tempted in our lives, in my life, to think I'm the main character in my story, 
and I'm the one that matters. And so what we do is we invite God into our story, don't we? We say, God, hey, hey, I need some help down here. God, really? And then we kind of remind us, God, I mean, we talked about this. I mean, my story is so important. I need you to fix this. I need you to open this door. I need you to help me resolve this issue. God, come on now. Come on. I came to church. And then we start, you know, God, I mean, what's going on? You're not responding. I came to church. I I read my Bible. I, I put a little money in the plate. What's going on? What's going on? So if we call on the Lord out of a pure heart, and, and that's okay. I mean, God understands. We have needs. We need help. But the bigger question that we talked about last week is we, when we pray to God, how can I be a part of your story? So when you're praying to God, are you wanting things just from God? Or are you also wanting things for God, for his name, for his influence expanding? So number one, we learn to handle the word of God, read understand, apply it. Number two, we're pursuing the Word of God, actually looking to live it out. And number three, we're calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. Not just, God, I want things from you, and I want you to pay attention to my story, but God, what part can I play in your story? So can you see how God shapes us in that process? We learn to handle the Word, and maybe we're kind of, you know, when you and I first started reading the Scriptures, I knew, I knew it was the right thing to do, but it wasn't really shaping me. It was something I did in Sunday school. But when I learned for myself the power of learning to handle the Word of God and understanding the bigger story and understanding that it's my story and your story, when I learned to handle the Word of God and I began to pursue the Word of God, this was in my late teens, it really affected my life and I started to pursue God. And then I learned to call upon the Lord not just to fix my problems, but I learned to call upon Him and see how I could be a part of addressing other people's hurts and problems and being a part and being on mission with him. Then the fourth step, and this is where it gets high stakes, learn to teach the word. And this is where you're probably going to push back. And I understand it's a little bit nerve wracking to think, teach, teach. Are you talking about getting up here with a microphone? I'm not. And in fact, this is probably the small piece of teaching that I do every week. A lot of teaching that I do whether it's in my home with my kids or in other or sitting in people's homes, I use these a whole lot more than I use this. And you think, how can you teach without talking? Well, I'll explain it to you. So teach the word, but be kind to everyone. And let me just re- reread these couple of verses, verse 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel, instead he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So if you've learned to handle the word of God, pursue the word of God and call on the Lord, then when you encounter opportunities where people maybe they're not understanding, maybe they're just a little bit undecided or on the fence, then you'll have an opportunity to teach. You'll have an opportunity to teach. And what I learned at Chick-fil-A is one of the best places to be that I really enjoyed, and you can ask Kelly this, when people would get mad in the drive-thru on front counter, I kind of sort of gravitated over there. And the reason why, I kind of smiled internally, because I know that when somebody's mad, you can actually make a difference. When somebody's upset, when they're pushing back, when they're frustrated, when they actually express 
what's in their heart, you can actually make a difference. And what I learned is that when somebody's pushing back, it's an opportunity, if, you're, if you've got the fortitude, to lean in. When somebody's pushing back, it's an opportunity to lean. I see Mike nod, he's on talk radio. When somebody pushes back, there's an opportunity to lean in. And you know what I found is that when you lean in, you might make a friend. When somebody pushes back and you lean in and listen, you might make a friend. And you might do something even more significant. If you've learned to handle the word, if you've learned to pursue the word, if, these are habits. You have a habit of pursuing the word. You have a habit of calling on the word out of a pure heart. Then when you actually do get those rare opportunities, because, you know, to be honest, in our world, in time, when it comes to the word of God, the most of the time you're just going to get indifference. And we got this in China too. People just don't care. They're not interested. It's not relevant. It doesn't matter. But when you find that person, that they actually have an emotional response. Give me that person every day. It's tough to deal with indifference. It's tough to crack indifference. You have to go around it a, about it a completely different way. But when God's moved into somebody's life to the point where they're willing to push back a little bit, what an incredible opportunity. And if you've been handling the word and pursuing the word and calling on the word, then you'll be ready. And it's not what you think. It's not about standing up and starting wagging your finger and picking up the Bible and using it as a weapon. It's about leaning in. Tell me more. Wow, that, I'll just teach you one phrase that I use quite a bit, and, and, and don't laugh at me if I say it to you. That's interesting. Tell me more. That's interesting. Tell me more. I, don't, I have nothing to do with faith, and I don't have no use for the Bible, and those churches are full of hypocrites. And That's interesting. Tell me more. And it, it, you, you, I mean, it can't be fake. I mean, I really do want to know if, and I, and I love when somebody has had a, a difficult experience with church, because I'll apologize on behalf of all of us, and I hope you're okay with that, but I'll just apologize. I'm so sorry that you had that experience. I'm so sorry. That's not been my experience, but I'm so sorry that you had that experience. So, when somebody pushes back, what an opportunity, and if you are prepared if God has shaped you by his word, then when it's time to teach, you're going you're gonna to just, lean. You're not going you're, you're to run away because, you know, when we don't feel prepared, when we're not shaped by God to make a difference, when we're not shaped by God to teach, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to run away and <laughs> just try to scoot out of the picture as quickly as possible. Or we're going we're gonna to succumb to the temptation to make a point. Now, let me explain this. When somebody pushes back, you're going to be tempted if you're not ready, if, you're, if you haven't been shaped by the Word of God, and you haven't understood the way that Jesus' ministry operated, you're going to be tempted to stand up and make a point and say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And what you're doing is you're pushing back from that person. You're creating space, and you're picking up the Word of God. And by golly, you're going to make a point. Now, you ever do this with your kids? I made my point. I made my point. They heard me. Did you hear that, son? Say it back to me. I made my point. But did you make a difference? Did you make a difference? You made your point, but did you make a difference? So what I know that God wants for us from his word is he is pleading with you, and he's pleading with me on behalf of all the people out there who maybe they haven't said it, but there's pushback in their heart. 
They, they're pushing back against faith, against God, against church. And all it takes is someone like you or me, because it's probably not going to be me. I mean, I don't, I don't work where you work. I'm not, I'm not where you're at. I don't, I'm not related to who you're related to. And, and if you have an opportunity, I'm glad to come. But it's probably going to be you, and you're going to get the pushback. And when you do, say, oh, great, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to lean in. Lean in. Ask questions. Care. And you'll show them that the God that you serve is not exactly who they thought. And it doesn't require a ton of Bible knowledge. And maybe we'll get more into depth in the future about certain verses you can use. But this is God pleading with you on their behalf. And as we look here, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So it's about helping them escape the trap. So my prayer is for each of us is that God would shape us, use his word to shape us to build his kingdom in these ways that we would learn to handle the word, to pursue the word, to call on the Lord, and to be able to teach his word and to lean in when somebody actually shows a raw emotional response to the teaching of the word of God and be able to help them escape the trap of the devil. So where are you at today when it comes to handling the word of God? Is, is it something that's a little bit, I'm not really sure how to handle that? When it comes to pursuing the word, I mean, if, if you've gotten to the place where you actually, you have a basic understanding, I mean, you could, you could, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, you, you know enough, it doesn't take a ton, but you know enough, are you pursuing the word of God? Is it a habit of yours to pursue what the word of God teaches, to not just read it, to not just understand it, but to actually seek to apply it on a daily basis? And are you calling on the Lord out of a pure heart, saying, God, how can I serve you? Not God serve me, God serve me, God serve me, but God, how can I serve you? And how can I serve others? Then if, if those things are true, then you'll be ready to teach. So are, is that where you're at today? And I want you to think about this for just a couple of moments. I want you to evaluate based on these four steps. What step does God want you to take this week? First of all, where are you at? In this process, are you able to handle the word? Are you pursuing the word? Are you calling on the Lord? Are you able to teach the word? Identify where you're at and then ask God, what step do you want me to take this week? Maybe it's to come in and have a conversation with me and say, you know what? I don't know the Bible very well and I'd like to. Or maybe it's having a conversation with an accountability partner saying, I know what the word says, but not really pursuing it. Or maybe it's you, you, you learn, you know, I've got a lot of challenges in my life, and I think my focus is mostly on me. Maybe that's a step for you to take, to pray or to seek out a, a partner who can pray with you, pray for you. But maybe you're at that place where you're able to teach. And those opportunities, not all the time, but they come up, and you just shy away. You just, it's too uncomfortable. You don't want to be a part of it. I would encourage you to evaluate and say, lean in. There's a lot at stake. And it's not what you think. It's not about making a point, wagging your finger and pulling out verses, you know, here and there and making your point. It's not about that. It's about leaning in. Gently. Not resentful. Kindly. And making a difference. Because that kind of influence in a community, and you know, you immediately think of somebody. I know you do. 
in this community that has that kind of influence, that's able to teach. And if we could have more people like that, not everybody's going to be there, but if we could have more people that are, are, have been shaped by the word of God to build his kingdom, it changes a community. I mean, statistically, in, in difficult, challenged communities, there's a, there's a class of person that when it gets below a certain percentage, I've read the research, the community just implodes. But when there's upstanding people, when there's noble people, when there's people of purpose, people of, 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 of vision in a community, if it stays above a certain percentage, the community just keeps bumping along. But when, it gets, when there's not enough good people in a community, it just implodes. So that is what God wants for us. He wants to shape us. If we could learn to handle the word of God, pursue the word of God, and call on the Lord together, then we would be prepared to teach the word in such a way that we can help others escape the trap that our enemy has set for them. We can partner with him to set captives free. Now, putting this into a bigger context that we've talked about, if we're growing together and experiencing community and closeness as a church, if we're inviting each other God into each other's circumstances to do what only he can do, and we are submitting to the process of God shaping us through his word to do the building of his kingdom. Can you see how we might be moved to respond to God in worship? You see, this is all a process that we've been talking about, of being a healthy church, you know, starting getting to know each other, growing together so that God can leverage that to introduce people to him, and then praying, God, step in and do what only you can do. And then studying the word of God together, whether it's an immersion or in, or in this big group together, then we're being shaped. We're being prepared to go on mission with God. And next week, we're going to talk about how we respond to God in worship. So don't miss that. But if you do, each of our sermons is posted online weekly, as well as a two-minute video summary of each sermon on our Facebook page. So use these resources to let folks know what is happening at First Christian. Now, I know God is moving in my life, and I believe that he's also moving in our midst. So my prayer for you today is that you would become a useful instrument shaped by God through his word to build his kingdom. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this morning and this chance to be here with my friends. As we study your word together, God, we do pray that you would shape us. And even though it's a little bit nervous to think about being a teacher, God, I pray that you'll remove the false impression that, that we're, we need to be so smart and we need to know, have all the answers, God. We need to have all these, you know, acrostics prepared to just deliver and make a point and make a point. But God, that's not what you're calling us to. You're calling us to be earnest. You're calling us to be sincere and to be gentle and to lean into people who are struggling and to not just make a point, God, but to make an incredible difference or for you to make a difference. You can do that. You're desiring to do that. And we want to be available to you, to be shaped by you, to be a part of that in your story, God. And if there's somebody here today, this morning, Lord, that they have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ and they are moved by Emily's testimony of what you're doing in her life, God, that they would come forward this morning. And they would place their faith and trust only in you for their salvation. And we can baptize them this morning. God, if there's somebody here this morning that's feeling led to place their membership here and join us on mission, God, we'd be glad to have them. And I pray you'd move them to do that. If somebody just has some business to do with you, God, that they would come down to this altar and, and open up just a little bit so that we can pray for them and be lifting them up during this season. God, we love you. Uh, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.